You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh. Have I got your attention now? You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine my face. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass ball, ball, ball. I'm falling, and I can't get up! All right, welcome to Money Never Sleeps, the show where we touch on anything and everything that impacts the flow of money from around the corner to around the world. Today, we are going to be talking about the off-market hotel uh, arena in London with Simon Greenberg of London Central Properties. And we are going to be talking about the taboo topic I've been waiting to get him on the show. We're going to be talking about honesty and interior design with Ron Dayan of Beverly Hills Interiors. He's a 25-plus-year veteran of interior design, and he's worked on projects around the world. Not too many interior designers can say that. So he knows what he's talking about. He's been to the rodeo, and he's seen the rides. Now, before we bring uh, them on the show... I want to remind all of our listeners to make sure to read the latest edition of Money Never Sleeps, the magazine, on ucwmagazine.com. And we feature a few top luxury real estate players in the United States, and we are going to be changing the format slightly. Last issue um, was good. I think that we can do better. And we're doing the same thing with the Money Never Sleeps radio show you know, we're going to be bringing a lot more truth to the forefront and everything from real estate to venture capital and private equity. We're going to bring people on the show. They're going to shed some light on what actually goes on and and how to actually, you know, uh, deal with venture capital, how to deal with private equity. If you're an investor or if you're a company looking for an investment, how to deal with, uh, you know, luxury real estate if you're buying or selling and what to expect when you're dealing with people. You know, this is a lot of truth that people are afraid to speak about, but I'm not, and not on this show. And we're going to actually touch on a lot of stuff because uh, I think it's going to be useful to our listeners. Now, also, on my personal website, we will be adding various private high-end luxury service apartments in London and Europe for those traveling and are in need of uh, somewhere to stay. Especially when hotels may be sold out during the season, you know, we have our fingers on the pulse of the market over there, and we have uh, locations that'll suit the the affluent uh, traveler, and even the mid-range traveler, you know, there are opportunities out there for you to uh, to, uh, be in these service departments, and they're pretty, pretty nice. And as always, for off-market luxury, uh, high-end residential opportunities, uh, you know, and this is for qualified individuals. This is not, you know, for someone window shopping or kicking tires or someone just looking for information. Uh, If you are a qualified uh, individual that and you're looking for a luxury residential uh, opportunity anywhere in the world, you can feel free to contact me to find out more and see how we can help you. Uh, these are off-market listings 
that you will not see posted anywhere, not on any uh, any website, not on social media, not on anything, whether it's Trulia, Zulia, Zillow, whatever you want to call it now, and all these other uh, websites that you can uh, market homes on, you won't see these on there. Trust me on that. You know, these are discrete homes, discrete purchase opportunities that are only available through us. So if you have an interest and you are qualified, feel free to reach out. Now, with all that said, let's bring on one of the most sought-after interior designers. From Beverly Hills Interiors, please welcome Ron Dayen to the show. Goldfinger, he's the man, the man with the mightest touch. All right, Ron, welcome to Money Never Sleeps. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for coming on. I know that uh, you're busy running around, zipping around for your clients, you know, because you had, uh, I mean, you have a lot of things to do, so you, I appreciate you taking the time out while you're on the road today. Yes, absolutely. The, the streets of Beverly Hills are as loud and as sunny as ever. Ah, yeah, and we're, we're going to hear that in the background, I'm sure. But that's okay. It's important that we, we get, you, get you on here. Uh, what I want you to do first, if you can, can you give our listeners a, a brief into uh, a Beverly Hills Interiors and what you've done? Beverly Hills Interiors is, um, is a full-scope company that does interior architecture, interior design, interior decoration, landscaping. But uh, due to the background from London, Paris, Florence, Italy, where I went to school, and uh, 28 years on this side of the pond, the menu is much broader than what I just described a moment ago, to the point that we often correct architectural plans, space planning, selecting building materials, and really designing new properties from the inside out while the architect designs from the outside in. Ah, interesting. That, that's an interesting uh, um, view of what you do. Now, let, let me ask you this, you know, uh, maybe you can share, if you, if you don't mind, maybe you can share with our listeners, you know, uh, some of the high-profile projects that you've worked on in the past, because you've been doing this for a while. Uh, yes, this is the um, the end of the 28th year, and I have uh, designed for people who are uh, famous and people who are uh, less famous, so they're all equally important to me, was featured on uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and Good Morning America and Style on CNN and International Press and uh, also some local television and radio shows in, in California. Uh, when one uh, works with a celebrity, it presents many challenges because celebrities come with uh, with a group of um, of people like business managers, lawyers, accountants, personal secretaries, and they all think that their client is about to be taken because they have a lot of money. And I very quickly proved them wrong by um, managing the project, not just from an artistic point of view, but from an economical point of view, and uh, showing the backup of the paperwork, which is um, something that many designers uh, lack, is the the strength of uh, the business side. While they are very creative artistically, the uh, the paperwork does not always uh, reflect organization 
which causes unnecessary nervousness in the homeowners or uh, executive in case this is a commercial interior. Well, can I ask you something, um, Ron? Now, when when you say that a lot of interior designers, they don't provide uh, the paperwork, what type of paperwork should a luxury homeowner expect to see from their interior designer? It's a sensitive question, and uh, I classify it as sensitive because some years ago I was interviewed uh, following a project in McLean, Virginia, by a local um, Washington, D.C. publication, and as a result of it, a number of designers contacted me and asked me why did I have to reveal that the way that they will really work. And my reply was there should be no secret about the way interior designers work. We're here to provide a service and everything should be on the table. There should be no um, hidden costs or, or hidden agenda. Um, so total uh, transparency, as the politicians would call it. So therefore, when an interior designer is charging a client on a cost-plus basis, the designer must establish uh, the starting point, which is their cost. And uh, some designers have been telling their clients that they don't want to reveal their sources, and that's why the client cannot see the manufacturer's or the supplier's invoice. Um, not entirely true. So uh, this is why uh, issues of uh, project management can actually be a source of conflict between designers and clients. Do you think that that brings a, uh, I guess, a level of distrust when you have a luxury homeowner uh, use, utilizing a designer? Absolutely. They are, they are wondering, what is the designer actually paying for this? Um, and am I being overcharged? And particularly these days uh, when we have the Internet and there are many suppliers that have online shops, that means they don't have rent to pay, very low overhead, and they're able to uh, sell items at times below the designer's regular wholesale prices. I, I recall um, vividly being quoted price for two bathroom cabinets from a wholesaler in Santa Monica, and I was able to find the exact same cabinets from Florida for $2,500 below wholesale. So with the... Um, with the power of the internet and uh, right-clicking on the photo and, and searching its sources and uh, multiple sources to buy it from, interior designers come under constant scrutiny as to how much did you pay for it and uh, why am I paying this price? But Ron, let me ask you something. As an interior designer, I know how Beverly, Beverly Hills interiors work, and, and I appreciate you being so open and honest about this because I guess this is sort of taboo, you know. So let's break the taboo. <laughs> um, yes. Now, when when uh, you know when when someone hires a designer, you, I, I would think. I mean, if I hired a designer, I would think that they would go out and try to get me the best price. And when you do this for your for your clients, do you let them know that you're doing this? Uh, no, because it's part of what I do. Um, I recall a recent case in which the client has approved of the budget and asked me where do I wire the money. And for two weeks, I didn't uh, answer the question. Instead, I went to 
the vendors and suppliers who had the biggest ticket item on the budget and was able to negotiate an additional 5, an additional 10 or additional 15% discount and return to the client with $100,000 savings below the price that he authorized and was willing to pay. He didn't ask for it. Uh, he stated that I'm not being paid for those two weeks that I spent uh, actually bidding against myself, but it's part of the service. Uh, when I design for a client, I immediately think, if you were in his place, would you approve of this design? If not, come up with something else. Don't even bother showing this to the client. And when I present budget to the client, and the budget has everything itemized, there could be four or five lines just to describe what goes into one sofa. Some clients are against that. They say, oh, Ron, can you just put it in one line for me? But others say, thank you very much for breaking it down. Now I see what actually goes into this piece of furniture. Mm -hmm. So it is important that the designer would act not only as an artistic and creative uh, contributor to the project, but also make sure that the client will get the most for their money and actively um, pursue lower prices as well as negotiate with installers and fabricators who um, at times are very much amazed when I when I scrutinize their prices and uh, question them and they respond you're working on a cost plus basis Ron if it costs you less you earn less right and my answer is yes so they respond why would you be reducing your fees because I am the client's agent I have to make sure they get the best design at the best price, even if it means that I earn less. It's an investment in future relationships. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of interior designers don't do this. No, no they don't. Um, from time to time, I find myself um, invited to uh, to speak about how to work with a designer, how not to get ripped off by working with a designer in uh, real estate offices and private country clubs. And uh, as, as a result of uh, such speaking engagements, people approach me and say, I'm going home to fire the designer. At that point, I feel quite awful because that was not the intent of the speech. The intent was to tell them what their rights uh, were, uh, not to uh, to suggest that they should go home and fire the designer. Well, what, what, you've act what you're actually doing is bring, bringing truth and clarity to interior design as should be because if someone is paying someone for a service you kind of want to know what you're paying for and again I don't care how much money you have it's always nice to know that hey you know what I'm dealing with someone honest they're not trying to rip me off and I have an itemized bill in front of me so I want to use him for my Paris project, my Jamaica project, whatever project that I have going on, and that that word of mouth gets around. So it, I mean, I, it looks, it seems to me that that's it's more valuable to be honest than to sit and try to, you know, uh, I'm going to say, um, uh, kind of take more from a client than you should be. <laughs> Absolutely, one must look at the uh, long term gain. And uh, the best proof for that will be the the client uh, that I saved him a hundred thousand uh, dollars from the price that he approved and was willing to uh, 
um, to wire transfer uh, said to me, um, now that I have seen this level of honesty, there is a 350-room hotel you must do in my country. And perhaps this project would not have been presented to me if he did not see um, uh, s such openness and, and such clarity. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no reason for interior designers to hide their cost. Everybody expects them to earn a living and um, and to be paid for what they do, which is um, which is really important because interior designers raise value of properties when they do this correctly. And at the time that the bank gives you one percent return on the money, some of my clients are averaging forty to 250% return when they sell the property. Uh, one client recently received 40% return on investment before unpacking their suitcases. Huh. I mean, there's value in interior design. There's no doubt uh, about that. You know, but, uh, you know, basically what we're speaking about here is honesty in interior design. Precisely. Uh, honesty is important in every business and in interior design in particular because um, our profession has only been practiced professionally in the United States for about a hundred years. Before that, it was practiced by women who were good with color and were irresistibly polite. Now it's a very technical field. And um, with going green, um, the designer really has to wear many, many, many hats. Um, only today I was asked to design some elements that have to do with the architecture um, and, and solve solutions for the general contractor on the job. And uh, the, the client said, I trust your answer more than the architect's because you know what's going to happen inside the house. So particularly in, in sunny states where the indoor and outdoor living are actually one continuous space, uh, it's important that the designer will have uh, thorough knowledge, both technical and, as we've been discussing in the last few minutes, um, also business knowledge as well, how to manage the project and not to go into cost overruns. And always get approval when you find out that something is going to cost more than what the client authorized. Clients don't like receiving bills for extra expenses. They want to know that, some, that a designer cannot deliver an item at the price that uh, they quoted initially because the client... Uh, perhaps uh, waited for 90 days before they activated the project, and prices do go up, and uh, inventories do get um, out of stock. So I had situations that dining table and chair was in stock in Houston. By the time the client gave me the green light to buy it, it was sold. A new one takes four months out of Thailand because we wanted something very, very specific that was not in stock. So so there are many hats that a designer has to wear, both creatively and managing the money, managing people, supervision of the project, because the client always remembers the last two weeks of the project. Mm -hmm. And and that's why, you know, when you when the terminology or the term interior designer or interior design professional comes into play that's because you're a professional you should know how to wear all these hats you should be looking out for the best interests of your client because as with any business you know it's not just about selling the client on one project it's about it's about getting continued business for them for the future 
absolutely. Um, many times, um, even with the with the initial meeting of the client and strolling through the space, they start talking to me about other projects, and I take the conservative approach of shall we do this project first and then you can decide if you want me to help you with other projects or introduce me to other people and they say no I am a good judge of character um, one major celebrity said to me at the end of the tour of his property when we just walk through the house for the first time bring a contract and I responded with don't you want to look at the portfolio or speak to some past clients and check my references and he said no if you can have such brilliant ideas with no preparation, what kind of ideas will you have if I gave you two or three weeks to prepare for it? And as far as your portfolio, I'm not interested to see what you've done for other people. I'm interested in what you will do for myself. Ah, I like so, it. <laughs> and, and and that client was actually Smokey Robinson, um, one of the founders of uh, Motown. Wow. Well, and you know what? And, and a lot of celebrities, you know, they're, um, they could be finicky. But the one thing that I will say, and you, and you said that earlier on, they have their business managers, their, their PRP, they have all these people around them and everyone, you know, they're trying to protect them from getting, uh, uh well, I, what, what word can I use? From getting ripped off, you know, cause I'm sure that a lot of people try to do this. But when you, when you lay everything down in a professional manner, that anything that they have a question about you have an answer for because it is in black and white, that makes them feel more comfortable. Absolutely. Uh, one of my clients um, who was uh, a former player for the uh, L.A. Lakers, captain of the L.A. Lakers, and um, also an NBA Hall of Fame inductee, he was suing his manager for embezzlement of funds. Uh, now I I will not discuss the case, but imagine the uh, the supporting cast of this professional: the, yeah. the lawyers, the business managers, the accountants, the personal secretaries. Uh, the client was just taken for 55 million by the business manager, and here comes a new interior designer, and we just fired two designers who even billed the client for the time that they sat down to write the bill. And wow. there comes this new guy that we don't know too much about. He seems nice and so on. And I finished his project in 21 days. So at the end, his secretary presented me with a letter in which he wrote, I was very impressed with his performance and I gave him the highest recommendation. He always kept me informed of where the project is going. So it is not enough for the interior designer to receive money from the client and run around and do some shopping for cutesy stuff, but he, the designer must keep the client informed and at the same time when um, when one deals with very busy and um, professionals uh, and, and uh, hectic timetables one has to know when to forward such reports of the project uh, what to share and how much of it so uh, knowing the per person's uh, nature and um, not just what side of the bed they prefer to sleep on and uh, where they require uh, telephones throughout the house, but uh, also the, the human side, the, um, the, the psychological side, uh, to know how to anticipate what clients would say before even making the presentation. And, and for that uh, re reason, 
I pride myself in over 90% success ratio at presentations because I can see through the client's eyes and know what they would think of something before I even show it to them. That is because I put uh, my ego, as, as it were, aside and look at it through their eyes and look at it through their pocket. And then you're always, you're also looking at at it not just as far as their personal taste because that changes from person to person, but you you're also explaining to them the value that what your project is doing is bringing into their home. So resale becomes important as well. Uh, resale is a is extremely important. Uh, in in one particular case, a gentleman bought a canal front. Um, home in Southern California with a 40-foot dock for 895000 and we redid the house inside and out. I mentioned to him that when it's done, he will probably be able to get $1.6 million for it, uh, to which he replied, you are dreaming, this is not Beverly Hills. Well, I was wrong, and he was right. A couple of years later, he called a, a real estate agent who, um, who summoned uh, a broker's open. And in the broker's open, the property that uh, he didn't think will fetch 1.6 sold for 3.295. Nice. And he was able to clear close to $2 million, with which he bought in uh, North San Diego County a $3.5 million mansion. And his mortgage on the $3.5 million mansion was 5K a month, which is what people pay for a two-bedroom apartment in, in Los Angeles. So... He called me and said, uh, you are right. If, if a property is designed right, um, it sells as is. And, and that's the key. Those are some of the key things here on, you know. Precisely, uh, to, to look at it as an investment, not mm -hmm. just as creating something beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the, it's not the, cute, it's not the cutesy, dutsy type of thing. It's about bringing value. Precisely. So for that, the designer has to sort of step out of their skin and and look at what the project is actually calling for to allow the project, whether it's a home or a boat or an aeroplane, to speak to them and to cater to that. Mm -hmm. And um, and think of it really unselfishly. Um, I once heard a, a designer in in the Pacific Design Center showroom say, my client is driving me crazy. They don't like anything that I show them. And I was so tempted to turn to her and say, instead of trying to put in their throat what you think that they should consume, maybe you should tell them what's right for the project. They did, after all, select the real estate and bought it. So do what's right for the house. And a lot of people you don't see, like um, to hear the truth. <laughs> Well, as a designer, she she wouldn't like to hear the truth. That's why I, I didn't get to um, to to express it. There is there's a myth about um, being able to buy things for less. The um, the wife of a very famous Hollywood actress once said to me, "Why do I need an interior designer? I could go to a design center with a resale number and get forty percent off." So I said to him, 40% uh, off of what? An inflated retail price. And secondly, the actual purchase of an item in a design project is the last step. Arriving at what to buy 
is the primary step here. And he said, you know, I never thought of it that way. And that's a good way to, to definitely look at it because, you know, getting, buying the merchandise, that's the end result after you mapped everything out. Precisely. And, Precisely. And that, that's, um, that's key stuff. That, that is key stuff. Ron, I, I would love, and, and, you know, I would love to, to keep going into this, and we need to bring you back on to continue this conversation because I think it's, I think it's important, you know, for the, the uh, the affluent and luxury home buyers, even even the average home buyer that is listening to this show, if you're going to hire an interior designer, you know what you're dealing with. Okay, don't just trust that they're going to do the right thing by you because they they may not be. You know, it's kind of like you're 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 buying stock and you're dealing with a broker. You kind of want to know what you're dealing with. So, uh, and you, you need to do that for yourself and, and definitely, you know, take what Ron has said here and take it to heart. Take notes, get a pen, piece of paper, write everything down because it's, it's, it's information that you will not get anywhere else. I promise you that. All right. And Ron, yeah, Ron, I want to thank you for coming on the show. What I want you to do right now, if you can, uh, we did it in the beginning of the show, but I want you to give, uh, the information for Beverly Hills Interiors so that if anyone that is interested in having probably one of the most honest interior designers that I know of in the United States, if not, you know, uh, in Europe and globally, uh, do some work for them, you know, they can reach out to you. Yes, the uh, the company name is um, Beverly Hills Interiors with with an S, and online it's Beverly Hills Interiors dot net, mm-hmm. and it will um, offer you a gallery where you can see a very versatile portfolio, a newsroom with international press coverage, and also a video that has designs from 17th century England to um, futuristic designs. Versatility is important. It, it definitely is. And Ron, again, thank you. And this was an informative, uh, you know, segment, uh, that you shared with us some great information. I do, I love that. And we're going to bring you back on in, in the coming weeks. And for our listeners, I want you to stick with us because we're going to be right back with you right after this short break on Money Never Sleeps. This is Chef Gavin Murphy with your one minute healthy cooking tip. For all my fellow fitness freaks out there, eating lean, high-protein meats like chicken, turkey, or even pork loin is part of our everyday diet. I get asked all the time, how do I make chicken breast juicy and not dry and overcooked? This is how. Season the breast with salt and pepper and sear in a drizzle of olive oil in a hot pan until golden on both sides. Preheat your oven to 400 degrees and place the breasts on a foiled oven tray. Pour one cup of chicken broth on the tray and pop it in the oven for six to seven minutes. What's going to happen is the broth will create steam in the oven while the chicken is cooking and add moisture to the meat. And that's my secret. Also, very important, guys, once you take the chicken out of the oven, let it rest for three to four minutes, and this will also keep all the juices in the breast. For more tips and information on me, go to my site, gavinmurphy.com. Hi, everyone. John and Pete Nigerian here at the NASDAQ with some news you do not want to miss. 
As option floor traders, CNBC contributors, and co-founders of OptionMonster.com, people always want to know our secrets for trading the options. So we wrote an entire book on it. And today, to celebrate the book launch, we're giving away a limited number of these books for free. All you have to do is cover shipping and handling. Learn how you can use options like we do to make more income with less capital. To reduce your investment risks. And to make money regardless of which way the market's moving. It's all right here in this book. And today, we're giving it away to you for free. Equity options today are hailed as one of the most successful financial products to be introduced in modern times. You have to learn to profit from them. This one book could dramatically increase your investment returns. And today, it's free. So pick up that phone and call now. Call 1-800-961-1923 for your free book. That's 1-800-961-1923. Call now. All right. Well, that was uh, that was some informative and really, you know, we, we touched on a taboo topic uh, in interior design. And I'm sure, you know, some people, some interior designers may not be happy about it, but this is what we're going to bring on this show. I told you we're going to bring truth, and that's what we're doing. All right, so uh, now with that said, let's uh, let's get uh, Simon Greenberg from London Central Properties. Let's get him lined up to come on the show. Uh, let's, let's bring uh, Simon Greenberg on the show. Right, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, London properties, and what what better way to go than with properties? Uh, we, you know, Simon, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we've had you on a couple of times, and let's let's talk about what's going on in uh, London. And we're gonna we're gonna kind of pinpoint on the hotel industry because I think it's important, uh, you know, for us to tackle that. Excellent. Hello, Louis. How are you? I hope all is well. Uh, we're speaking to you from London here, London Central Properties in uh, Cavendish Square. And yes, you are correct. Today we are going to talk about hotels both in London, Europe and around the globe. In particular, we're going to be looking at four and five star. Okay, well, let's let's start. Right. At the moment, we're finding, let's start with London. There is definitely a very, very strong demand for hotels. Uh, there is a shortage of supply. Uh, in other words, there are a number of hotels which are being offered, but as we say, there are very, very few that can be actually delivered. And in all these cases, we're talking about off-market, whether they're four- or five-star hotels. The demand in particular is coming from principally, I would say, from China, Hong Kong, Singapore, India, uh, certain areas in Europe, and in fact, the United States as well. well. So it's all across the board, and as I say, it encompasses four- and five-star deluxe. Okay. Um, so, no, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you a question, Simon. Now, are you, you're, you are at this point, are you seeing the demand increasing, you know, year over year, let's say for the over the past, you know, maybe three, four years? Definitely so, definitely so. I think in the rankings now, we would say it's London, Paris, New York. Those are definitely the three hotspots. And as we've discussed before, because of the turmoil, because of what's going on politically, economically around the world, whether it's the Middle East, 
whether it's the Far East or in Africa. So the money, the money is coming into London, and as I say, hotels are definitely in demand. And at this point, you know, you, you mentioned four and five star hotels. You know, where, because we, we, we spoke about where, kind of where the money's coming from. You know, if you had to uh, pinpoint uh, a direction, would you say the money's coming more from the Middle East or do you see money coming uh, from private equity in the U.S.? Right, interesting. As far as London is concerned, I would say uh, principally Middle East, uh, Far East, and I would say as far as Europe, there's a lot of U.S. money coming particularly into Spain at the moment, Spain, Portugal, and Italy, because obviously what's happened there economically, so the prices have dropped substantially, and uh, the U.S. is definitely making an inroad into the, into the, what we call the Mediterranean com uh, countries, as is Russia, funny enough. A lot of Russians buying in Spain, uh, Portugal, Italy, and uh, even Greece as well. Uh, I, I, th I think with Russia, I, I don't know. We have a lot. There's a lot of political stuff going on, so I think that they need to move their money out anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah, I would say uh, that's that's how it is. Principally, I mean, for instance, with ourselves, we uh, we had a viewing uh, of a portfolio of three hotels, which my colleague Peter did uh, last week, and that was from quite a substantial hotelier based in the Gulf and they are looking to increase their inventory in London. And we also have uh, inquiries from Hong Kong and China for similar, as I say, off-market opportunities. The only problem we're finding at the moment is there are a number of hotels, let's say the vendors are putting out to try and test the market, but that's not necessarily saying that they're going to sell them. So um, that's the downside. The other thing is, bearing in mind the values and the property values, uh, the yields are going to be slightly, the higher you go in price, so the lower the yield. I mean, ideally, a lot of these investors are looking for a 7% yield. Now, that's possible on the residential market, but as far as hotels, you're looking round about the five mark. And in fact, if you go for trophy assets, it can be below that. Well, a trophy asset, that's, you know, something to brag about. But when you're speaking about, you know, uh, the cap rates on a hotel or, or any commercial property, you know, that, that becomes important. Now, you hmm. said a uh, 7% cap rate, uh, that, that's pretty much what they're looking for. Now, do you find that these investors, whether they're, they're hotel chains or individual investors, do you find that with the four and five hotels, uh, star hotels, that they're starting to convert some of the uh, the high end uh, rooms into condos? Um, I would say, as far as London is concerned, no, because there there are certain hotels which have gone down that route, but I would put them in a slightly lower category. So, in fact, we do have one which we would call a three star whereby it's substantial hotels, and we're looking to put that into service departments. But I would say as far as the four, and particularly the five, uh, there is that demand to retain as is. 
Okay. That, 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 that's an important thing because some parts of the world, like in New York, uh, basically what, what you find happening with some hotels, they'll take the higher floors and they'll convert them into condos to generate yes. uh, quick money uh, while mm. they're moving forward. Yes, I, I'm familiar with that. I'm familiar like with the plaza in New York mm -hmm. where they did that with the higher floors. And I know it's something which is more common in the U.S., than it would be in uh, London. To a certain degree, it happens on the continent and in France, but uh, not to the same scale. Yeah, and, and the plaza is run by uh, Fairmount, and uh, a couple of weeks ago we had Thomas Klein, and he's the uh, he's one of the head honchos over there. So, uh, yeah, Fairmount's doing pretty well, and that gave, that gave us an indication of kind of, kind of the high-end hotel industry and where that's headed and it's not stopping it's continuing to grow absolutely absolutely and as I say eventually uh, when we're looking at Europe hopefully and this is over the long term economically things will stabilize improve so there again the Italy the Spain Portugal even Greece so because of the tourism side so it will, it, there will there's, there's a demand there I mean, as I've mentioned before, we have various hotels in Italy. We've got one we've just taken on in Venezia. That's price. That's a boutique. Beautiful. It's a, like a small palazzo and that's at 50 million. Uh, and then we've got inventory in other cities in uh, Italy of a similar or higher category. Uh, Simon, if we can take a minute and I, I want to give our listeners uh, a better idea of uh, what's going what 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 goes on out there because you know there are a lot of um, there's a there are a lot there's a lot of information that goes out over the internet and you have a lot of people that are not even connected to a deal but they wind up you know swooshing information here and there trying to squeeze in when they have no clue what's happening and you deal with that and so do I but you deal with that a lot uh, where you are so can you uh, explain to people if they were interested in, in hotels or high-end luxury off-market properties, yes. what, what the best route to take is and how to avoid those, the pitfalls of dealing with, uh, I guess, uh, daisy chains. Right. You see, the problem, as you said, quite rightly say, uh, there's a number of what we call runners. And these are people who, let's say, are not in the profession but they are affiliated or they have contacts and basically they become involved or try to get involved in transactions whereby from my point of view we and I've always gone by this is our formula is that we will only work with vendors which in fact are the owners or sellers or the mandate now the mandate would be the principal agent who is instructed or ourselves so in other words, we will not be involved in any chain. The most important factor for us is that we can deliver 100%. It's our reputation and we're working with you, so it's your reputation. But there are people, as I say, and we come across them daily, who offer us various, let's say, um, whether it's hotels, whether it's high-end apartments or residences, but we will not be involved on the basis A, we don't know sort of the deliverability and B, we'd rather work with uh, quality rather than quantity. Okay. 
and that that's a key point, and I wanted to address that because, as I said, you know, you have a lot of people uh, that try to involve themselves in deals when they have nothing to do with the deal, and they just take paperwork and move it around. And if again, if you're if you're representing a buyer of uh, a luxury residence, or if you are the buyer themselves and you're looking for, for, for a property, you know, it's better to be direct and deal with an organization that has direct access so that if you want to move forward, that the possibility of completing a deal, if it is accepted, is on, on the uh, north of 100%, <laughs> as wow. opposed to, you know, giving your information to uh, someone that has nothing to do with anything, and it puts you at risk. Absolutely. And as I say, I mean, this is what London Central Properties, as I say, our, our motto is quality uh, over quantity and anything that we offer will be 100% deliverable. And at the end of the day, we are here to find the exact property which your listeners are looking for. And that's the bottom line. And I, I do urge anyone that's listening out there, if you're interested in luxury uh, residential anywhere in the world, high end, and the, you know, the hotels, the four and five star hotels, you know, go to centralproperties.com and, sorry, londoncentralproperties.com and find out what's going on because at the end of the day, you want to deal with people that can deliver and not daisy change, you want to avoid that stuff. So you know, and I and I maybe maybe uh, maybe I I'm coming off a little uh, strong on this, but I know London Central Properties—they're the best at what they do. I and really appreciate that. I just want to make one point, and uh, just to, to to confirm, they are more than welcome to go to the LondonCentralProperties.com website. There they will see a very large inventory in over 21 countries, but not one of the off-market opportunities will be listed. So everything, they will come to us or to you, and then they will get the details. And that is that is the one thing that we're going to close out with, because when you see, and I have to laugh, because when you see off-market properties, that are listed on a website, you know, then it's kind of listed. It's not off-market anymore. Well, I've seen it this week on a couple of occasions. I'm not going to say where, but when I saw that, I think to myself, you know, you might as well advertise and put the put the photos up because that's not the way we go. As I say, anything on the website, it's on the market. As I say, there's a lot of inventory there, but for the, let's say, off-market, high-value hotels, apartments, London around the globe, then you come to either of us for the specific details. Beautiful. Simon, thank you so much. And again, for our listeners, go to LondonCentralProperties.com and see the, you know, to see those listings and get more information. And you know what? You can reach out. There's a, there's contact, uh, a contact page there, and you can reach out to Simon and find out more about what's going on. Simon, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Louis. Uh, it's a great pleasure. And we look forward to connecting in the very, very near future. As always, thank you. Okay, regards from London. Thank you very, very much. Yes, and uh, I want everyone to stick with us. We're going to be back with you on Money Never Sleeps. This is Chef Gavin Murphy with your one-minute healthy cooking tip. For all my fellow fitness freaks out there, eating lean, high-protein meats like chicken, 
turkey or even pork loin is part of our everyday diet. I get asked all the time, how do I make chicken breast juicy and not dry and overcooked? This is how. Season the breast with salt and pepper and sear in a drizzle of olive oil in a hot pan until golden on both sides. Preheat your oven to 400 degrees and place the breasts on a foiled oven tray. Pour one cup of chicken broth on the tray and pop it in the oven for six to seven minutes. What's going to happen is the broth will create steam in the oven while the chicken is cooking and add moisture to the meat. And that's my secret. Also, very important guys, once you take the chicken out of the oven, let it rest for three to four minutes and this will also keep all the juices in the breast. For more tips and information on me, go to my site, gavinmurphy.com. Hi, everyone. John and Pete Najarian here at the NASDAQ with some news you do not want to miss. As option floor traders, CNBC contributors, and co-founders of OptionMonster.com, people always want to know our secrets for trading the options. So we wrote an entire book on it. And today, to celebrate the book launch, we're giving away a limited number of these books for free. All you have to do is cover shipping and handling. Learn how you can use options like we do to make more income with less capital. To reduce your investment risks. And to make money regardless of which way the market's moving. It's all right here in this book, and today we're giving it away to you for free. Equity options today are hailed as one of the most successful financial products to be introduced in modern times. You have to learn to profit from them. This one book could dramatically increase your investment returns. And today it's free. So pick up that phone and call now. Call 1-800-961-1923 for your free book. That's 1-800-961-1923. Call now. All right. That brings us to the conclusion of another great segment of Money all right, that brings us to the conclusion of another great segment of Money Never Sleeps. We spoke about off-market uh, hotel opportunities in London. Uh, we spoke about the taboo topic in interior design, honesty in interior design. And we're going to be bringing on a lot of uh, additional guests in the coming weeks that are going to give you insight into private equity, venture capital, you know, uh, tech companies, startups, you know, how they went from A to Z and things of that nature, things that you will find helpful. So, uh, and we're also looking uh, to bring on some professionals in uh, precious metals and stones, and that's going to be an interesting topic because that's something I know a lot of. So uh, with that said, just make sure you go to ucwmagazine.com to keep uh, in touch with us. Make sure you go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, and I'm sure that we're on uh, we're on so many different platforms, and uh, I'm sure that we're on some radio station somewhere. So just make sure to stay in tune to Money Never Sleeps. We're making we're enhancing the show each and every week, making it better and better for our listeners. So I thank you for tuning in and I thank you for your continued support and we'll be with you next Monday on Money Never Sleeps. Initiating shutdown sequence. You're listening to UCW Radio in your face. What is your major malfunction? So let it be written. So let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.